Amen. Thanks, Katie. Good morning. Good morning. Um, it is a privilege to extend that welcome again um, to you. My name is Paul, one of the leaders here. Really good to see you this morning. We are making our way through our value series at the moment. So you're joining us in a really, really good time to get to know a little bit more about us. Um, what is at the heart of us as a church, how we function as a church, what shapes us, the things that shapes us as a people, the things that govern our decision-making processes, the things that shape us as a whole family. So it's a great time to be joining us. And last week, Steve took us through what it means to be gospel-centered. So we have gospel-centered, marked by grace, and on mission. And Steve took us through that last week. And what we're doing is we're looking at Acts 2. We decided this year to really zoom in um, on a portion of Scripture and just to, to make our way through it. And in Acts 2, what we see is the early church. And we see that, that after Jesus Christ ascends, as he goes up to be with the, the Father, the Father and the Son, they pour out the Holy Spirit to give new creation life. And within a couple of months, you've got thousands of new believers in, in Jerusalem, approximately 3,120, we're told. And you've got this new community of people formed by the gospel, a gospel-centered people who were devoted to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, and to worship. And today, we're going to look at that second value marked by grace, and we're going to look at how that, seri- that same gospel shapes us and transforms a people in unique and distinctive ways. So if you've got your Bibles open, have it open at uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 42. The verses will be on the screen, but it'd also be good to, to have it open so you can see where we are, where I'm getting all the stuff I'm talking about from. So let me pray, and then we'll work through it. Father, we thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for the songs that we get to sing and the truths that are within those songs. We are your church. We are your people. Father, it is all for your glory. Transform the the desires within us, the motivations in our hearts, so that everything that we do, every breath that we breathe, every word that we speak, every thought that we have, every desire that we have will be for you and for your glory. Father, I pray that this morning as we come to hear from your word, that you by your spirit would lift up our hearts and our eyes to see the grace that you have for us in sending your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling the possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So what does it mean to be a community that is marked by grace? And we're going to work our way through this passage just to to see what, what jumps out for us. And first of all, verse 43 tells us that they are a community marked by grace is a community with God's transforming presence. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. God's transforming presence is amongst them. And this, folks, it's at the heart of what it means to be marked by grace. You see, humanity has no right to be in the presence of God. The story, is by, the story of the Bible is really clear right from the start. God is perfect and pure and good and holy. 
and right in all things. He creates humanity out of the goodness that is within himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It is an overflow of the love they have one for another that causes creation. But humanity, the pinnacle of that creation, rejected God, rejected his goodness, rejected his love, rejected his, his, his rule, and turned to, to lies and turned from life to death. But God in his grace did something, even in that very moment, that we don't deserve. He promised to make it right. And that is the Bible story from start to end. It is God's plan to bring a people to himself and God's plan to bring a people back to himself after they have sinned. In the Old Testament, it shows these promises, the early stages of this plan of bringing a people to himself. And we see these repeating cycles of humanity's sin interspersed with, with God's judgment and, and God's mercy and God's grace. And what is really clear as you read God's word is that then and now humanity needs saving from itself. Because of our sin, because of our rejection of God, we can't save ourselves. There is a separation between us and God, between him and us and his goodness. And we can't bridge that gap. We can't bridge that gap. So God in his grace moves towards us. God in his grace moves to save us. The Father sends the Son who became human. God himself became flesh. That's grace, folks. That is grace. God himself became flesh for us. And he dwelt among us in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he was perfect. He lived perfectly for us. And in an act of pure grace, he took our sins upon himself. I just want to pause just for a moment and ask that you would reflect on that yourself. Take this moment because we're not going to get this whole concept of being marked by grace. You're not going to get grace at all if we don't understand ourselves. We, you, me, we've all sinned. We've all rejected God. We've all messed up. The Bible's really clear. It tells us we are dead in our sins. That is the language that the Bible used. We're dead in our sins. We're children of wrath. That means me and that means you have sinned against God. And we deserve judgment. We deserve that separation from, from God and his blessings. We deserve death. That's the reality of humanity without Christ. But Jesus Christ, the perfect one, came and died in our place. So for, for those who believe and trust in him, he took our sins upon himself. And so the judgment that we deserve, he took all of it, all of it. He exhausted it. The cup of God's wrath was drained dry for his children upon the Lord Jesus Christ. That is grace. And the Lord Jesus Christ went through death and he was raised again. And when he ascended, he poured out God the Holy Spirit into his people so that we too could have that new creation life. So instead of judgment and punishment, we get freedom. Instead of death, we get eternal life. Instead of the withdrawal of all the blessings of God, we receive every heavenly blessing in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's grace. 
That is grace. God the Father and God the Son then send God the Holy Spirit to dwell in the church. That's what we read in the flow of the book of Acts. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and it moves outwards and God's people move outward. And it is the same for us. We, Cornerstone Church, Liverpool, believer in this room right now, we are the dwelling place of God. Let us sink in. We're the dwelling place of God. So individually as a believer, God lives in you. That's what the Bible says. And corporately as a people, God lives amongst us. We are the dwelling place of God. He's here. Do we believe that? Do we actually believe that God is here? Do we believe that God is in you? Do you believe that God is amongst us? Do you believe as you look around this room, and I want to do that a lot today, folks. Do you look at other people in the room, and as you look at them, think, it's God's child. It's God's dwelling place. Because it has massive implications. As we read the Bible, what do we read about God? Well, so much. But we read that he's all-powerful all-powerful, infinitely, eternally powerful. He is good. He is life itself. He doesn't receive life. He gives life. We receive life. He gives life. And he is light. So just taking some of those things, his very presence, God's very presence is transformative. So what that means, folks, is that we are a transformed people. So to be marked by grace, we mustn't forget who we were but we also mustn't forget who we are. We fall in between those two places sometimes. Some of you may, right today, be functioning right here, just sitting in light of who you were. That's not who you are. Processing that right can lead you to the right joy. Remember who you are. You're a child of God. But not only are we a transformed people, we are also a people being transformed by God. God is always working on us. He's always working in us, and he's always working through us. So God's grace, it isn't static. We are being transformed, the Bible tells us, from one degree of glory to the next by God's presence, his sanctifying, shaping presence. All of us, if we are believers, children of God, we're being remade. We're being crafted by God. We're being restored by God into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ because God's presence, because of God's presence and his presence alone, we are transformed and being transformed. Now, that reality, folks, should bring a degree of, of awe. The, the verse here says, and awe came upon them. Many of you will see a footnote there. It's actually like a reverent fear. It's a right understanding, a right view of who God is, of who they are. It's a deep reverent fear because of the presence of God. Let me ask you a question. Have you, have you lost that sense of awe? Have you lost that sense of a right fear before God? Maybe you've lost it in your relationship with God. Maybe it's a struggle for you right now. Maybe you've lost it a little bit when you're amongst God's people. And folks, that happens. This is why we come back every year and do this. This is why every single week we take communion. This is why we sing songs together to remind each other of truth because we all need to be reminded. We all turn away, we all forget. This is another invitation by our gracious God to say, come back. Come back to the pure, basic, beautiful, simple truths of the gospel of grace. Remember who I am, what I have done, and who you are in me, God says. A community marked by grace is a community with God's transforming presence. Secondly, a community marked by grace is a community of true fellowship and love, verse 44 to 45. 
and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Okay, so in light of God's transforming presence, that grace of God that they had, that they had received, they had a transformed view of themselves, a transformed view of the others around them, and also a transformed view of the world and everything that they had. We see it here. They saw what they had, the things that they had, not as theirs, but as gifts given by God to steward for his glory and the good of others. So some people, it says here, not all, because it re we read later on, they were meeting in houses. It's not a bad thing to own a house. That's not what's being said here. But some people are, are selling and dividing some of the property and the things that they have, and they're dividing up the proceeds, or they're giving away what it is that, that they had to those that were in need. And there are thousands, thousands new believers in Jerusalem at this time. Don't forget the context of what is going on here. There's thousands of new believers. And many of these, these new believers will have been in Jerusalem on pilgrimage for the festivals. And all of a sudden, this new church is formed. A new community is formed. And many of them will have wanted to stay. Don't forget, they're going back to, to places all over Judah, Jerusalem, and Israel. And there's going to be no churches there because this is a new thing that's going on. And they're starting life again with nothing. They're like, I want to be amongst this church. I want to grow. This is, this is truth. This is reality. I want to stay. So those who had shared for the purpose of building up this church community. There was a purpose. There was a mission. There was a direction. There was a context. There was a time. And it's like, let's build up for the good of the people around us. So being marked by grace changes how we view ourselves, how we view others, and how we view what we own. God's people, folks, they're, they're all around us. These are, are our family. That's what the Bible describes them as. The Bible describes believers as children of God. It describes believers as brothers and sisters in Christ. And so together we form the people of God. And all over the world and down through history, yes, that is true. And one day we will meet all of those people. But specifically in this space. Liverpool, L18, around this area couple of miles maybe that we all spread out from but also in this time September 2022 we are God's people at this time and in this space there's no accident and so these are our family members that God has put us amongst that's no accident here in this church we have been put together for a purpose God has put us together for a purpose that koinonia no we say it wrong Correct me after if you're a scholar of Greek, I'm not. Koinonia, koinonia, whichever one it is. It means a deep fellowship. A deep, deep fellowship. And I want us to think in that way that that, that deep fellowship is not just a, a stationary thing, it's a, it's a directional bond. So think like a teammate. And what that means is we all have a part to play in God's mission here and now. Everyone. We have all been uniquely made by God. We have all been uniquely gifted by God. We have all been uniquely situated by God to be his people. And that also means that no one here should be a spectator or an observer or a part-time family member. That doesn't work. We know part-time family members aren't, aren't right. It doesn't work, does it? Because of what Jesus Christ has done, we are all teammates. We have a deep fellowship in the direction of God's mission. That's what we read in Acts 2, that teammate mentality. Well, we're together for this. What's it take? What do we need to do to make this mission move forward? 
That's what they're doing in 43 and 44. Their, their attitude to possessions and homes and money. They were generous. They were radically generous. In fact, they were sacrificially generous. I think that's a great, a great question to have. We all have an array of, of possessions and, and wealth in this room, and there's a spectrum for everybody. So generosity is going to look different for everybody. It is. And then maybe the question that we need to ask underneath the question of are we generous is, is it sacrificial? Is our generosity sacrificial? Because that's true generosity. It's a challenge to me. I'm not sure I am at times. I say at times because I don't want to fully admit that I'm not. <laughs> it's me get out of jail free card. But also notice, folks, that there is a direction. There's a direction here to those in need. They knew each other. They had a deep relationship with each other. They noticed each other. They were in and out of each other's lives. There's a huge amount of teaching on this in the New Testament. So when we talk about the apostles teaching, that is the apostles taking the teaching of Jesus, of the Old Testament and the New Testament, and it's, and it's teaching it to the people. And all of this apostles teaching in the New Testament here is actually relating to each other, to how the church family relate. It's huge. You can't really read any of the letters without seeing these one another's or the Gospels. There are a hundred times the, the New Testament uses the phrase one another. There are 94 verses where it's mentioned in the New Testament, all about how we engage. So I think we need to sit up and, and take notice when, we, when there's so much of it, don't we? And folks, this is not abstract. I think sometimes we can kind of read these things. No, this is not abstract. This is played out directly around us within touching distance of us. Look around again, folks. It's all with an overlook around. It's these people. This is it. When God is telling us these things, he's saying live it out amongst these people. It's not abstract. It's real and it's personal. And a third of these commands are to Christians to love each other. Why do we love each other? Because of what Jesus has done. And that's a confusing term in many ways because love, culturally, the focus of that is it's your choice. It's your decision. It's ultimately about, about you. But biblically speaking, love is a totally different concept. Love is the willing self-sacrifice for the good of another, not that they deserve it or that you are going to receive anything from it. That willing self-sacrifice for the good of another. We are to display that same love. And the more time that we spend with Jesus, the more we want to love others. That's just the truth of the relationship we have with God. 40% of these verses are about unity in the church, about relationship between family members. Some of these are, are, like, have a negative bent. It says, don't grumble. Don't grumble among yourselves. Don't consume each other. Don't backbite. Don't be envious of one another. And some have a positive spin, so they'll say, be at peace. Have the same mind. Be gentle. Be patient. Tolerate one another. Be kind. Be tender-hearted. That is a Prayer, I've prayed that over this summer. God made me tender-hearted. Sometimes I can feel a hardness creep into my heart. Forgive one another. Bear with one another. Seek the good. Don't complain against each other. Speak well of one another. Honor each other. Encourage each other. Be hospitable towards each other. All each other directionally. He's talking about us. It's a command for us to do this. And the people in verse 44 and 45, as we read here, they are displaying these one another's through the love and the generosity that is needed at the time. But folks, we worship the same God. 
We are filled with the same Holy Spirit and we are to do the same things, to use whatever God has given us to build church community, to build others up. Being marked by grace transforms everything. And as I say what I have said, can I just say it also transforms how we process sin and failure. God's grace transforms how we process sin or even the concept of failure. The book of James tells us to confess to one another. It's a whole new arena that we play in as Christians because of the grace of God, repentance, confession, admittance of sin, admittance of wrong is actually liberating. It is healing. It is restoring as an act itself. In 15 minutes or so, I'm saying that so you don't get too excited thinking I've finished. In 15 minutes or so, we are going to take communion together. And I want us to pray about it. I want us to, to not just think that it's a, an add-on at the end of the time of the sermon. No, this is huge. It's real. It's a moment in time. And it's a great time for us to move forward in light of what I've been saying. So we're going to hold the bread and we're going to hold the wine in our hands. You're going to feel it. You're going to taste it. You're going to taste the, the juice going down. You're going to ingest that in that sense. And it's going to go into you. We need to realize what is going on here. We're being reminded of God's goodness and God's grace towards us, what Jesus Christ has done. We're reminded of the grace of Christ, how he died for us, took our sin, a great cost to himself. And not just us. So this communion that we do, we don't do it at home on our own. We do it here, amongst the people. We pass it along. We get to see others as they do it. We do it at the same time as others sometimes. We pray together. Why? I want you to look at the other people and realize that Jesus Christ died for those too. They're God's children too. So how are we relating to each other? Let me ask you that question. Being honest, as a community marked by grace, how are we relating to each other? Are you caught in a cycle, an echo chamber of grumbling? Do you seek the well-being of others? It's a hard one. Do you think well of others? It's all well and good speaking well of others, but do we think well of others? Do you think and speak well of the leaders? Folks, we are, if you've spent any time with us, we are weak, vulnerable men who sin. We are. We're not perfect. Please don't speak about us. Come and speak to us. Help us. Help us to lead this church. Help us to see things from an array of perspectives. Help us to make decisions from a, a, a wise and good standpoint. Come and speak to us. Do we, do we honor each other? Do we build each other up? Is our motivation to build each other? And there may be several reasons why, why we don't. It, it could be fear. It could be selfishness. It could be arrogance about your own view. It could be pride. I know in my heart there can be a movement towards a lack of love, and I think it's grounded in fear a lot of the time. I have to take that to God, to confess to God, and to ask for help. Like over the summer, asking for God, make me more tender-hearted, remove any hardness that can grow in my heart. Make me tender-hearted, because I read the Gospels, and I see the Lord Jesus Christ, and I'm like, wow. So what are you praying for? And would you ask for, God, ask for God's help in it today? You see, being marked by grace means we can process these things in freedom, the freedom of forgiveness. And we can pray for yourself and you can pray for others. So let's, 
Let God's grace reverberate around this community, this family of God. A community marked by grace is a community of true fellowship and love. Third, a community marked by grace is a community that spends time together, verse 46. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they receive their food with glad and generous hearts. So they gathered they met together in the temple precinct. That's where they would have met for public worship. It's probably on the, the east side of the outer court in Solomon's colonnade. And they met in big groups at this point, wherever possible. And we do, we gather by God's grace every Sunday. This, folks, is a privilege. We get to see each other. We get to talk together. We get to pray together. We get to be in God's presence together. We get to sing and to hear God's people sing together. We get to pray and to hear God's people pray together. We get to hear from God's word together. Seeing the grace of God being lived out in the lives of God's people together. Folks, this is a privilege. Gathering on a Sunday is a privilege and it's a means of grace. What do I mean by that? I mean by that that this is a way that God grows his people to love him more and to love each other more so when we gather it's not an event it's not something that we come to watch but it's fellowship it's fellowship with god and fellowship with each other it's a family gathering newcomer and believer welcome to the family this is what we are you're amongst a family of god and we also meet in smaller groups like we read in verse 46 like the early church our homes are called we are called to have our homes open so our tables, our food tables, our, our meal times, they're called to be inclusive. At the heart of our gospel community, that's the, the groups that meet through the week, is a meal, is a shared table. And it's really important because there's a real picture there that you see from the start to the end of the Bible, of meals. And God's people gathered around meals. And in a meal that we meet in our home where we gather people in, everyone is equal. No matter where you're from, no matter what you look like, no matter your past, no matter the baggage that you bring, the struggles you face, your age, your ethnicity, we are all family. Our tables, our homes are to display the grace of God. And our tables and our homes are a means of God's grace to others. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, at great cost, have brought us rebels into the family of God, into the very throne room of heaven, we're told, able to call God Father because of because of the grace of Jesus. And Jesus says that he's gone to prepare a place for us, a new place, a perfect place, a new home. And so now what we have is ours to steward. It's ours to display the grace of God through in how we live our lives. Open homes, open lives, a natural overflow of God's grace towards us. See, we understand grace. We would understand our homes, our tables, all that we have as a means of God's grace. What we will naturally do, folks, we, we will, if you're like me at all, you will naturally drift towards your own space. You will naturally drift towards closing your doors. You will naturally drift to just shooting off after church. You will naturally drift to, to not offering to, to host things. And instead of being the conduits of God's grace and using everything that we have as a conduit of God's grace to bless others and to build others up, we become a blockage. We become a blockage. So in light of the grace of God, let's start out and set out into this new way, into this new year, seeking to serve each other. Starting today, why don't you invite someone back today? Back of the house, 
off to host gospel community this week or in the coming weeks. Go and knock on someone's door, uncomfortable. It's a good thing to do. Go for a walk with someone this week. Aim to do it every week. Arrange to meet someone for the coffee. If you haven't got a house, you can still do this. Arrange to meet someone for the coffee. Bless them. Get to know each other as healthy families do. Let's pursue and desire and be heading in the direction of a healthy family. Bless each other. A community marked by grace spends time together as an overflow of grace. We are conduits. And four, a community marked by grace is a community that worships, verse 46. Day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they receive their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God. It's a worshipful people. When I say worship, what do I mean? Worship is the, the right response to God revealing himself to us as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Worship is the right response to God revealing himself to us as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so that right response is awe, fear, humility. The right response is seeking to build community through the means that God has given us and the possessions that we have and the things that we have. That's worship. A right response of worship is seeking to, to spend time together with God's people. In the big moments like this and in the small moments through the week, it's all worship. And verse 47, we, hear, we read that they received with thanks. They had glad and generous hearts. There's a simplicity and an openness to their lives is what's being described here. So a community marked by grace is a thankful, joyful people. Why? Why would they be thankful and joyful? Because of the grace of God. What they've been saved from, what they've received from God, and the blessings of God. And it pours into God's people, and through God's people, it reverberates around the community. They have, verse 47, their grace glasses on. I know that's really cheesy, but I'm going to use it because it works. It's really important. So I, by default, have said this before. I take my grace glasses off daily daily and I can't see properly or when I wake up in the morning I don't put them back on off the nightstand nightstand I don't even know what that is it's like a really old word isn't it? <laughs> have I got a nightstand I don't know I don't know what I've got so I have to start every day putting my grace glasses back on looking through them literally looking through them asking for God's help to see clearly to see rightly it's like putting a pair of goggles on when you're underwater you're like oh that's what it's like. You see, without, without looking through the eyes of God and grace, it's taking goggles off and looking under the water. You just can't see. But you put your goggles on, you're like, wow, look what's here. That's what the grace glasses do. It's getting up or getting on each day and actually saying, God, thank you. Thank you for yesterday. Going through yesterday, thanking God for today and the day that he's given you. Asking for God's help to see. Training ourselves to see all the goodness around us because we have been trained by the culture and our upbringing and everything around us to not see it. We need to train to see it. Is this a struggle for you? Do you struggle for joy and thankfulness? Maybe that's an internal thing with your thoughts. Maybe it manifests in like negative thoughts against other people. It might be criticism. It could be like a, sometimes it's a victim mentality. Maybe it's external and it kind of manifests in grumbling and not thinking well of God and not thinking well of others. And, and actually we lead to isolation. Isolation is a sign of this. Maybe your thoughts are dominated by possessions or your career or worry and insecurity about your children. And, and insecurities can come to, to dominate. Maybe you don't feel that you're, you're enough. You're comparing yourself to other people. 
Maybe what other people have in the church. Maybe the, the way that other people are in the church. Maybe their characters, the way they look, the way they speak, their gifts, all these things. But being marked by grace means we can turn back to the Lord Jesus Christ, put our goggles on effectively and see reality as it is. To see his love for us, to see his care for us, to see his blessings towards us, to see his goodness towards us and allowing his goodness, his voice, what he says about you to shape your perception and your outlook, shape your view of yourself and others and life, to remind yourself what God actually says about you in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what God says about you in Jesus? He delights in you. He delights in you. We forget that all the time, don't we? God delights in us in the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you believe that today? God has a great affection for you in Christ. He does. Do you need to work harder believing that today? Do you? Do you maybe turn away from that? What a great opportunity. See how much he loves you and how much he delights in you by what he has done for you. And don't stop there. Remind yourself what he says about others. He delights and has great affection for the people of the church. See, turning back to Jesus and seeing all that we have has been given by God means that we are recipients of grace. And being recipients of grace makes us glad and generous people like the people here were. And for thankfulness and joy, I don't know if you've ever been around someone who's thankful and joyful, but it's contagious. It spreads outwards. It moves out towards others. It's like oil in a car engine. It makes it work. It helps us relate rightly to one another in a way that builds each other up. And that's what they were in verse 47. They're appraising people, seeing what God has done, being reminded of it. And it led naturally to praise. They weren't working hard at it. It was a natural overflow of their relationship with God. Living for him, speaking of him, singing about him. And that is us, folks. That is who we are. We are appraising worshiping people because of the grace of God. A life of praise to the one who has given us everything. Liverpool's a passionate city. Liverpool's passionate about being a passionate city, in fact. And our worship, because we, who we are living for and singing about, should be passionate and should be heartfelt. It should be. It should be. That's worth something thinking about, folks. A community marked by grace is a community that worships. And lastly, verse 47, a community marked by grace is a community that stands out. They receive their food with glad and generous hearts, verse 47, praising God and having favor with all the people. They had favor with people. People noticed something different about them. In the early centuries, a guy called Tertullian, he said this, the outsiders looked at the Christians and they saw them energetically feeding the poor, burying them. They didn't have burying rights back in them days. Caring for boys and girls who lacked property and parents, being attentive to aged slaves and prisoners. And they, that is the outsiders, they interpreted these works as a work of love. They would say, look how they love one another. It's in the first century. Look how they love one another. These are just Christian people living Christian lives, transformed and motivated by the grace of God. And God, who is love, has by his immeasurable grace created a community of love and grace to, dis grace to display his love and grace to the watching world. We are the people who are called to display his grace and love to each other in the world. We see it in, the, in Acts. We see it in early church history. We see it all through the centuries. But folks, we are that same community. Cornerstone, Liverpool. That's who we are. We're God's people, God's family, brothers and sisters, bound together by God's 
bonds of love. Let me just say that over the past 13 years that we've been a church, people have. They've looked in. They've seen the lives of the people who are here, and they've said this, look how they love one another. That has been something that people have said. But the past few years, folk, there's been changes which has affected how we relate to each other. We need to be honest about this. We are September 2022, a fixed point in time. This is where we are. Let's be honest. Let's process this well. See, relationships and lifestyles did shift through the pandemic. They did, didn't they? And there's still some recalibration coming out of it, I think. And it, and it affected our community life. It did. There are still some people not here. It affects our community life. It affects how we relate. Just when we came out of the pandemic, we moved from a, a small building, which was about a hundredth the size of this room, shall we say. And it was a really tight space that we had a couple of services in. It was really tight. And we moved to this bigger space, this meeting place. And that's affected us, let's be honest. It's affected us in the sense of there's less contact one with another. If you sit over here, I'm, I'm fairly sure you probably don't ever speak to the people who sit over here. In fact, I can recognize you when you come in. I can look at you guys and I can, about 90% of you sit there. I know where you're going to be sitting. 90% of you sit there. I know where you're going to be sitting. And I'm the ramp sit there every week. You know, we, there's less contact, less movements. I haven't thought about you guys in the middle. I don't know any of you guys. <laughs> but let's call it what it is. It's affected how we relate. It wasn't like that in the last bit. Much easier. There was just a fluidity about it that helped. What that means is we don't forget about it and move on. It means that if we hold that dearly as we are family members, it means we work harder to make that happen if it's right and good and true. So that means that you guys might have to change and come over here and speak to different people. Just a little encouragement for you. There you go. We've also sent out last year a team of people to Kensington. And when you send church plants out, there are often people who are involved in a number of ways across the church. And we sent them out. And we miss them. There are people on different teams and different service areas. It's a big loss. There are people who actually opened their homes up and did all those things. And we're sending another group of people out next week. And it's the same with these guys. They're like fully bought in. They're part of the family. They have people around. They're engaging in teams. There's ministry team leaders going. There's the gospel community leaders. There are people who are influential. That, that does affect us. Let's call it what it is, folks. Now, that's not something to say we don't do it. Praise God that we do that, and we're going to continue to do that because the gospel is to be shared, and we want to reach Merseyside with the gospel, don't we? And that actually takes and has some effect. And we're also a growing church. There are many of you here who a year ago weren't here. It changes the dynamics. And there are many people here who I would say have maybe not settled into some of the things that I have been describing just today. And that's why we do this every single year. We do it so that we can invite you guys in. In light of God's grace, can I encourage you to step in, step forward today into this church family. There's a place for you. There's a point and a purpose for why you're in here. There's a group of people you can walk with and who want to walk with you. There are opportunities to serve and to be a part of the family of God in this place. Please step forward. God's people are a means of grace when they gather for us and for you. So that invitation is to come and engage us, yes, for your benefit and blessing, but can I also say you're not just here for yourself. You're actually here for the other people here. We're here to build each other up. And Cornerstone Church, what a privilege. We are recipients and conduits of God's grace. 
So as we gaze at the grace of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, let that grace reverberate, pass through, echo around this community, living her out in, in normal and ordinary yet radical ways with each other in such a way that Liverpool, Wavertree, Mossley Hill, Woolton, Allerton, Town, Toxteth, Old Swan, Highton, Prescott, Croxteth, Warrington, any other area that you come from that I have not mentioned, I'm sorry, Chilwell, Gattaca, there's a couple there, Belvale, there's people from Belvale. Look in, look at our lives, look at your lives and say, look how they love one another. A community marked by grace is a community that as God's transforming presence displays true fellowship and love to one another, spends time together in worship and displays God's grace to the people around them. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your grace towards us in Jesus. Father, I thank you so much that we have rejected and turned away from you. And yet you came for us. You moved towards us in your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I pray in the simplicity of the gospel, by your spirit, turn our eyes to see Jesus. Turn our eyes to see that it's all been done. Turn our eyes to see that we are forgiven. Turn our eyes to see that, that, that we are adopted into your family. Turn our eyes to see that you love us and delight in us. Turn our eyes to see that it's all been paid for. Turn our eyes to see that you have given us a point and a place and a purpose. Turn our eyes to see that. Father, by your spirit, turn our eyes and help us to feel not just the bond that we have with you, but that bond that stretches out even in this place today to the brothers and sisters around us. Transform our view of each other, I pray. Help us to see each other as you see us. Help us to speak to each other as you speak to us. Help us to love each other as you love us, I pray. Father, I pray that you would do such a work in our community that we would live such ordinary Christian lives for your glory that people would look in and say, look how much they love, them, love each other. Amen. I really want us to take advantage of this time that we have to not let this time slip by or pass by. We do this every week. If you're, if you're new here, we have communion every week for a reason. If you're not a, a believer here, if you don't believe and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, we ask that you would let the, this bread and wine go past. The Bible says this is for believers, so we ask that you would let this go past. Maybe say a prayer if you want to, or come and speak to someone at the end of the service. But Christians, there's no better time to move forward than this. We are a community marked by grace, so, so let's step into it. Let's not kind of move towards the edge of that grace. Keep ourselves on the edge of things. So if you're holding anything, anything at all against anyone, please think before you take this communion. Please think. Don't just receive the forgiveness, the blessing, the reward, restored relationship that you have from God without being willing to extend that outwards. I ask that you would not take communion in an unworthy manner, that's what the Bible says, because you bring destruction upon yourself. Don't do that. It might be right for you to say to, for you today to confess. It might be right that you actually need to say sorry. Do it. Or resolve to do it later on at a different time. You might want to pray with people around you. That's okay, folks. These guys are playing. Tom's doing his little finger plucking thing on the guitar. That helps. So your prayers aren't going to be heard all over the church if you don't want them to be. Feel free to pray in groups. If you feel that someone needs prayer, you can move towards them. 
You can put your hand on them if it's right and appropriate to do so. Pray together. Help each other. Let's repent and confess because of the grace of forgiveness. Forgiveness is a wonderful and liberating thing. If you don't feel liberated, if you don't feel joyful right now, that means that you're probably holding on to something that God has already taken off you. So now is just a wonderful time to go to the cross and say, Lord, help. Forgive me and help. Freedom is found through forgiveness. So let God's grace echo around us today. Let it, let it be seen and heard. God is here, folks. God is actually here right now. He's amongst us. He's present with us. He's moving. He's not passive. He's acting right now, maybe in your heart, even this moment. Redeeming, healing, and restoring. So I ask that you would do this slowly today, folks. Purposefully. Really thinking. Really turning to God. And as you have this bread and this wine, when the time is right, and only, folks, can I ask you when the time is right, take it. Ask God to help you in light of what he calls you to, for yourself and for others to walk rightly in this. And when the time is right, we'll stand together and we'll sing together in response.